and welcome to. <laughs> well, I got. No. <laughs> um, hey, welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show to uh, really re- reckon with. Um, yeah. My name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. My levels are over 9,000. <laughs> and, uh, also Hugh Crawford. Hey, I have no level, uh, reference. <laughs> you have no <laughs> And, uh, yeah, today we are talking about an episode called Reckoning. Yes, this episode uh, is episode 21 of season 6. It originally aired April 29th, 1998. Here is the IMDb dis- description. Spiritualists on Bajor summon Captain Sisko to the planet's surface, where they show him a stone tablet with some unknown inscriptions. Once on DS9, the inscription reveals an ancient seafold summary. Oh, yes. Reveals an ancient prophecy of coming disasters surrounding the wormhole, Bajor and DS9, as those around him voice their uneasiness about Cisco being an emissary for the planet. All right. All right. It's another Bajor episode. Everybody loves those. Listen. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Cards on the table. I was really here for some of this episode until they stole the third act from Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, they... <laughs> yes, yes, I kept saying there is no Kira, there is only Zool. I was, I, uh, I was waiting for her to ask, are you a god? <laughs> and her wearing Kim Cattrall's contacts from Big Trouble in Little China wasn't doing her any favors as far as the silliness factor. I did get a little bit of, I got like, a, I busted out laughing, but it... But, Jake Sisko sits on the railing with those red eyes, and I was like, fuck yeah, I'm here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I cut, that was a level of camp I was here for. <laughs> yeah. The Sisko, yes. yeah, the yeah. Jake Sisko stuff. Everything that followed that. Right. <laughs> then I started thinking about how I wish Kim Cattrall was cast as Major Kira. Oh. Mm. You know she mm. could have killed it as Major Kira. Maybe. Yeah. Then she would have missed her chance to play Samantha, because I think that's already No, on she wouldn't, because this ends in 1999, and shortly thereafter, that's when uh, Sex and the City... Hugh Crawford does the math. You do the <laughs> math, buddy. Yeah. Like, look at that. You did your homework on that. I did, yes. <laughs> Didn't she play uh, Kirstie Alley or something? What? <laughs> There's like two people played that same Vulcan. Savick. They both play... Yeah. But then she yeah. played another not Savick in six, didn't she? She played another Vulcan, right? I don't think she's not Savick in the th- third movie. In the third movie, no, it's a curly-headed woman, and then in yeah. six, it's not Savick, but it's someone else that's a Savick type character. Yes, and she took titty pictures on the set, yes. and they leaked online. What for? Oh, 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 oh! She, she got kicked off of. She got kicked off yep. of Star Trek Six. What? Yeah. What? Can I read? Can yeah. I read the Wikipedia for it? Um, I mean, it's almost. Oh, it's not related to this episode, but I will allow it. <laughs> well, I mean, it is from. <laughs> oh, but please do. I insist. It, actually, it, it's it's uh, Star Trek related, mm-hmm. so and Boner Jam related, so we're fine here. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Again, please, please do. All right. Because, because let's be honest. I mean, I'd fuck her over all of the other Sex of the City women. Okay. I mean, I, I like the prudish brunette, I think, maybe. Oh, no. No. I'm Kim Cattrall all the way. I mean, that's that's the go-to answer, right? I mean, that's that was that was the whole shtick, right? Well, I think I think it's supposed to be Sarah Jessica Parker. It's supposed to be, but, but. come on. Come on. <laughs> I think that if the chips are down, yeah, I'm t- I'm I'm going to have to be a Cattrall person too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I can't find the story, but long story short, for some reason, she had like a professional photographer come in and take mm-hmm. nude pictures of her on the bridge of the Enterprise <laughs> for them <laughs> while she was wearing like the ears and stuff. Okay. Yep. Like she was in, she was in makeup. Wow. And then Nimoy like wanders on the set, like to like <laughs> work and stuff and catches her. It's like, what the, what the fuck is yeah. this? Yeah. And he's like, you can't, you can't do this. Like, this is fucked up. You can't. This is a family show. And, like, got her in trouble with the producers and stuff. Oh, wow. But, yeah, it caused a big, a big problem. Huh. Yeah. 
Wow, that's a, that's a good info to have. Not for this episode, but I'm glad it was said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. I mean, uh, in all Holy honesty, shit. I mean, that in 2005, she was linked with Star Trek Deep Space Nine regular Alexander Siddig, with whom she co-starred in a London stage production of Whose Life Is It Anyway? What? Oh, I was closer. I was closer. Holy to... shit. Both of them have, uh, yeah, Boom. they're Eskimo sisters. So, so wait, <laughs> so you want you wanted Kim Cattrall to be Kira, and then that, if that was the case, or if there was two, like he... Alexander Siddig had rooted both yeah. of those. So. <laughs> yeah, they were Eskimo sisters. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to find out who else <laughs> Alexander Siddig had fucked. Man. Huh. Well, that was a winding road to get there, but you know what? It relates to the show. So. Now we tied it back. All right. So, yes. Hmm. Cards on the table. What did you guys think of this, this episode? I, you know what? For dumb teenage me, this is probably what I wanted when I watched episode one as 14, what I thought when they're doing weird religious, almost mystical stuff in Emissary, this might be what I had expected when I wanted like a Final Fantasy search for the orbs or something. (laughs) But it's goofy. Uh, I liked some of it. It wasn't, I'm not going to say like, you know, it's the most masterful, great episode, but I was here for it well enough. It was, yeah. I, I mean, I, it is. I'm not usually this guy. I'm usually a fuck it or or it's the best episode ever kind of guy. Right. But <laughs> this is a decide. This is a decidedly mixed bag. I oh feel. yeah, oh, because yeah. I feel I feel that they're actually doing good stuff in the first act where you have got characters who have got long running feelings and they're unpacking them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you've got. You've got Dax talking about her feelings on the wormhole aliens. She's also talking about how Cisco himself's feet, his feelings have changed over the course of the series. You have Jake who said, I've seen some fucked up shit as a result of the emissary stuff and it scares me. Mm-hmm. So he's unpacking feelings. I really feel that it does some interesting stuff. There's some interesting gamemanship with Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've complained in the last few episodes that they've really lost like they've been doing these character episodes and they haven't they've lost the ensemble in a way and this one i felt like Mm. it it's it's a mixed bag and just the episode as a whole but it did it did a better job than we've had in a while of just doing an episode where everybody gets their moment and it doesn't feel like we're just dealing with one person the whole time and every and like that the station is a community where all these things are going on at once and we're seeing how they feel about the situation that's going on instead of just having one person be like the total focus the whole time. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Was O'Brien in this at all? No. Nope. No. And he's not in the next one either. So I will say we may be. I don't know. When did Layer Cake come out? That's a lot. Oh, yeah. I, have, I have like two uh, cult mini touch. Oh, points. that's got to be like a 2005. Like Layer oh, Cake was that came in, out okay. in the. And yeah, the nothing. Two thousand. Yeah, I mean, he may have been nothings. off on some other set for a movie that we don't remember. Yeah, he did make movies other than uh, Con Air and Layer Cake. I just don't remember. Yeah, them. yeah. Uh, Englishman who went up a hill uh, and came down a mountain. When did that come out? That's was early. he in that? Yeah, that's my. Nah, I think that was early. Yeah, then. that was a, that was when the Merchant Ivory right, reigned right. supreme. Um, I will. say... Say what do I say? Okay, so there's there's two things that if I ever remember this episode again, there's two <laughs> things I'm gonna remember. One one ridiculous and one pretty good. The ridiculous is the everything that happened at the end. <laughs> yeah. They the pretty good is that they actually took the time to look at a character, uh, Kai Wen, and go, Well, we kinda wrote her all over the place. What is what's the next logical and most dramatically interesting step? And they have her take it. And I feel like that that her resentment is going to overcome her faith. That her resentment towards Cisco yeah. and all of that sort of personal ambition that that personal ambition stuff is going to override her faith and the whatever. So she's going to go on a personal journey that takes her further away from what she's dedicated herself to. So that's interesting. I mean, it's not novel. It's not like the first time anyone's ever seen that. But it's like, okay, that that scans. It's and for, but for what we've been watching, it se- it feels downright yeah. revolutionary. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I had a. I don't it's, know. It's, do we... it's all. It's. I feel like they're trying good things. They actually stuck. They stuck the landing with Kai Wen. It's just. Yeah. 
silly <laughs> that Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters yeah, shit is it's, it kind yeah. of kind of screws it all up. I went with um, from the nine thousand joke. I went with the uh, Dragon Ball Z. Oh yeah, yes. I, yeah. I, got, I got it. I got it eventually, but it, yeah, it took me. A <laughs> it took me. Yeah, 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 it was a long road, but I got there. Yeah, the the Super Saiyan fight <laughs> at the end was was yeah, pretty ridiculous. Kamehameha. <laughs> and that was that was on set. They just like fuck it. Let's just <laughs> right. like we can't do anything funny. Or is like, it, yeah, is it this is Dragon Ball. Or they're just giving each other Care Bear stares, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They told them not to move, and then that that we'll do it all in post. And it looked like they tried to do some <laughs> shit in post. Yeah. But everybody, like when the writers talk about this, I don't know if they're overselling it on purpose or if they're just kind of dumb about their own stuff but it's like Iris Stephen Bear was like it was like Godzilla versus Mothra <laughs> and someone else was like it was the cla- we wanted to tell a classic good versus evil story and I was like this is this is all dumb guys this is not the story you wrote like the better parts of the story don't relate to this and the worst parts of the story come nowhere like were you dumb enough to think that this is what you were writing <laughs> So I, right. I, it's kind of, I question, I'm starting to pick up cause I haven't paid attention that few people are talking about Babylon five again and realizing, Oh, it's so much better than Deep Space nine on the discord and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, man. All I know is that I've seen clips from like the finale or end of Babylon five where they're doing dumb woman in space shoots lasers out of her ass at something. And it's like, that's, that's felt like what this episode's doing here too. <laughs> Like, where it's just like, pew, pew, bad special effects, shooting beams. Well, anyway, this episode that we watched, I think that we, we've we got a character in season six that is decidedly broken. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in this episode, they decide that, that uh, Odo, his the main point, like the main purpose of his character is to be able to like, gauge how Kira feels about things. Uh-huh. So... So lame. It's so lame. It's so sad, man. Watching it's so sad watching Renee Bergenois be in the show. I now. think it's so. they they made their choice, and you're right. It might be broken. Now that he's playing with the broken part of it, he's doing. I think he's retooled. I think it's retooled. He's retooled yeah. enough to where yeah. it's like every moment, I might still think it's a dumb relationship to have him in, but he's doing fine with what. The, the broken piece that they've given him. I mean, no, he's a good actor, and he's a game, yeah. you know, he likes paycheck, and he knows how to do his job, so I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, they reduce the character to to the good boyfriend. <laughs> sure, sure. Like, yeah, the, the, doting, the doting boyfriend, uh, we went from being, like, special man of mystery to the mm-hmm. doting boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a better boyfriend than Worf is. <laughs> Worf has a scene where, like, I... I wouldn't been able to do that, and Dota's like, "Yeah, well, I guess I just, tr- I guess I just trust my partner better than I do." I, and then I was like, <laughs> "Bitch, you blew a mission to save your wife. Don't talk about what you wouldn't want to do." Yeah, right, right. Like we know mm-hmm. what you would do. You, you, you fucked up a whole mission because you went, had to save your wife. Right, and his wife. You're literally yeah. talking about what you would want to do, and then we know what you would do. You made a whole episode about it. Right. Well, he's saying I wouldn't yeah. have been able to let her die like you are, Odo, because her beliefs and we know that he wouldn't because right she said let me die yeah 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 but the, it just killed me that they didn't bring that up like that wasn't cited oh, right, when right. we clearly had a whole episode about over it yeah yep because odo says something like well you should be thankful that you haven't had to make that choice <laughs> it's like yeah, or yeah, that yeah you're you don't have to make that choice and i'm just like he literally had to make that cho- we spent 45 <laughs> minutes watching him make that choice odo <laughs> Maybe you I, were too busy bawling your grandma, but the rest of us know what Worf was doing. Just just looking, thinking about Major Kira and having no other character development or thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to just walk through this with what happens so we can remember all the stuff that worked and what didn't? Yeah, I will say this real quick. I think that this show's got into a very weird <laughs> issue that I've noticed while watching this, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like it's it's real in the episode. It's that whenever we have a prophet, Bajor, wormhole aliens bullshit episode, they've chosen, because Louise Fletcher has such a domineering voice 
and rhythm and cadence. It's like her thing, you know, it's not... Sure, sure. It's not the Kai Wynn voice for most people in the world. It's the Nurse Ratchet voice. You know, it's the same thing. It's the same rhythm that I find that whenever we have these Bajor, like everybody talks in that cadence and rhythm. It's infectious. It's infectious and it's pretty... And I watched Avery Brooks do it for the whole, <laughs> like... I was like, this isn't how you talk in any other fucking scene. I think that's because what they're trying to do, what she's trying to do is add subtext to her meaning. Yeah. And so that gets aped by the other characters Mm -hmm. where everything's got to be couched in like two different meanings. Like I'm saying this, but I really mean fuck you. (laughs) Like that's how. And in her big role that all of that was pointed at like a tornado of an actor in Jack Nicholson mid-70s Jack Nicholson. Height of his power. Where on this, it's a little bit more, sub. yeah, it's a little bit more subtle power. So it's, yeah. So I was just, the whole time, I'm like, why are they talking in this staccato, passive way? It's just very weird. And so it's something I've noticed that they, I think they do, if I go back, I bet they do it in all of the wormhole prophets, listen to the prophecies episodes. So that's something I noticed. That's a general feeling. It's something I noticed. But Mm. all right. Yeah. Um, It starts off where like, hey, remember there's a war on. The Dominion is in the Calandra sector and and they're going to go through Betazoid to the Argolis cluster and the Seventh Fleet is at half strength, but it's going to try to cut them off at the Fibor Nebula at Cibaron or whatever. And then Cisco's like, okay, that's great. I'm going to go on vacation to Bajor. <laughs> it's like, oh, but what? Yeah, well, you know, the Romulans, they're, they've joined the fight, so we got good news. They're retreating from the Benzite system. And then Odo has... This war makes no sense. This is... Yeah. Their inability to wrap this war up in an interesting way is a black spot on the series. Well, they're just doing... They're talking about, you know, what's going on in all the battles and this strategy and everything. And then Odo brings up that, like, well, you know, the Romulans may have chased them out of the Benzite, but they're going to keep Benzar, right? And they're like, you're such a stick in the mud. And then everybody leaves because Jake and Cisco and Kira are going to the planet side. And then you get a dumb scene with Kira and Odo where she's like... I guess what I mean by not being able to wrap up the war, it's like an app. It's like running Photoshop in the background the whole time. It's bogging down the rest of the system. Uh-huh. Just close that bitch <laughs> out so you can move on with these other stories you know, that you want to do like, and have it be clean. But that is the, that's the more interesting story, though. But that's the problem is that that's the closeout that they want to do. Yeah. So they're... Do they even know what the, how they wanted to close it out at this point? I guess that's my point. Like, if they had a baller way of closing it out, the war story... Well, let's put it this way. They want to keep the war story going till the end, but they have all this religious stuff also that they have to deal with. If you're talking about an end game, this episode got wrote because someone in the writer's room said, hey, remember those paw wraiths from a season ago? <laughs> right. So I don't think it was all leading to this. So Yeah, yeah. I think they're finding, you know, they're chugging along and then probably sometime in the off season between this and next season, I think that they... They probably settle it, set it up. Yeah, yeah. Because they want to make sure that it's the last, you know, if it's the last episodes or not. Right, right. You know, they, so they want to make sure that it's the last season that they really, because they might have to drag the Dominion on for three more seasons. You don't know. Right. But I, I think they, I think everybody knew they weren't going to get more seasons than the next generation got, right? I guess. I feel but, like that was like a, hey. But you asked like, why not? Like, I don't know, like, networks aren't known for love love of symmetry and letting money go. But it's probably, yeah, you're probably right. You know, they were doing Voyager at this time. And I think they're like, Berman is like, fine, you can keep doing DS9, but, you know, we're not going to let you do this forever. Mm-hmm. They were the hidden, forgotten child, you know, middle child. They had to start kicking off cast. It was like the, what was the fourth season of Mad Men where they were like, we'll renew you for a fourth season, but you have to fire half the cast. Right, right. And that's why they left Sterling Cooper. Oh. So they could leave all of those actors behind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't realize that was the behind the scenes reason, but it, it makes sense. It was. Yeah. So, yeah. They go down to the planet to Bahala. Hala. And then Monk Ranjan. Just to Just to say something about Mad Men real quick. It seems to me that if John Slatterly didn't have that career, that he would have been playing admirals in Star Trek (laughs) (laughs) one-off episode. Like, okay, that's it. Yes, he had that career trajectory. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he would have been calling somebody by their first name that we've, you know. But we need those ships for the Argolis cluster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can see it's like cocky swagger. Yes, that would be great. (laughs) All right. Sorry, Wade. Go ahead. 
Yeah, he'd be admiral of the Ninth Fleet, mm. I'm sure. But uh, all of them would be really good admirals. Jared Harris. Oh yeah. Burt Cooper himself. Jared Harris would be a great ship's doctor. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why he's on. Um, he's on the terror. That Game of Thrones in space show. He's pretty good on it. Oh yeah, he's in Expanse. Yeah, he's like a he's like a Vladimir Lenin type. Yeah. Man, yeah, he's he's kind of a. He's kind of a shithead, but... He hangs himself in his office in that, too, doesn't he? Yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) But it's in space, so his eyes bulge out. It's really gross. Right. That's totally what happens. All right, sorry, go (laughs) ahead. I I didn't mean to derail it with my John Slater Admiral talk. We do not like this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they go, and then Monk Ranjin is down there in his dumb tingle from Zelda outfit, except it's brown. (laughs) All the monks have that. There's dumb costumes, the weird medieval like mm-hmm. hood kind of looking costumes. Oh, so we're we're mocking gay icons on this podcast now. We're tingle. mocking Tingle. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize he was a gay icon. And <laughs> no, that's off limits. He looks like <laughs> Terry Gilliam from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He does. Yes, he did. He did look like Terry Gilliam. <laughs> I expect him to have some coconut shells clopping them together. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and then Jake is like, "What the fuck are we seeing these old ruins for?" And then. Yeah, Ranjin is nerd corner. I don't like that they have bats. <laughs> like, come on, they're bat. I mean, maybe it's in translation. They're space. <laughs> so they call them space bats. Yeah, they're like. alien bats. But it- and then he's from the uh, Kai Alpaca school of like guy from the Bronx voice. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Watch out for the bats, you know. He's all good. He sounded, he, did, he sounded like uh, like when you watch those interviews with old Marvel bullpen guys. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I never worked on that, but, you know, Stan always took the credit. And, you know. Right. But I like to work. Yeah. We get some world building about Bajor that 10,000 years ago, Bahala was built on top of this older city that they don't know who the people there were, that they abandoned the city before Bahala Below Bahala was a city that was there 25,000 years ago where the original inhabitants that nobody knows who they are, but they have this weird statue with all this writing on it that is close to ancient Bajoran, but they can't decipher it. I mean, world building wise, it drives home how old in culture the Bajorans are, I guess, to not really feel like they would have advanced as much. But I guess that's why the Cardassians took them over. They're too peace-loving and... Whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. The statue is over 30,000 years old, which is, you know, longer than Homo sapiens have existed. Almost. I mean, don't, don't quote, don't at me on that. It's longer than civilizations have existed. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. But yeah. And then they see the, the thing and then they see it says emissary. That's why we brought you down here. And, and Cisco's like, oh, you're right. And then. He touches, and then everything goes all sepia filtered again. So you know it's a prophet episode, and then you know the reckoning must begin. And they talk all, you know, it's an end or a beginning. And then it throws Cisco across the room, like boom. And that's when we get our. That's the end of the cold open. Why it needed to throw him across the room, I don't know. Just just to make an effect, I guess. And then just the line rating of the Ranjin guys, like. You had a vision. We saw nothing. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a MST3K movie line. Right yeah, the, the wormhole aliens aren't my favorite. Yeah. No. And uh, archaeological expedition. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I did, yeah. This was some, like, uh, like I was I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're losing me here. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't enthrall us so much. I had the worst case of deja vu. Oh yeah, because because the oh, yeah. the one where he it's the exact same sees fucking the episode. object and he's he's with the admiral mm-hmm. and I'm like, did I watch mm-hmm. this? Did we already? I think we already did this episode. And it wasn't <laughs> until Jake sat down and had all the all, Jake last time, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, this is sort of that's why it seems like familiar. It's the soft reboot we didn't want, right? And then we've even found an obelisk that Dax had to decipher before, way back, except they found it in the Gamma Quadrant, back in that old, old Odo is an evil goo person aliens episode that I like that y'all hated. Mm-hmm. This is like way back season two. Because he takes it back up and he's like, all right, Dax, decipher this because you're better at it than the Bajorans for some reason. Yeah. 
Kai Ratchet comes up and says, what the fuck? Do you think you can do this better than us? Because he tells Dax, like, oh, we're better equipped to do it on the station. Dax, figure this out. And she's like, okay. Why she's the best to do it. Like, he's a science officer, I guess. Because he's like, oh, we're the best equipped to do it. And then Kai Ratchet comes up and is like, what do you think? You think you're the best one to be able to do this? He's like, no. <laughs> Actually, I don't think that. The prophets, I think they wanted me to. And so she's pissed off, like... The Cardis took all their stuff, like, in the invasion of Iraq, and then now you're doing it? Well, I think that the if we get to the root of why she's upset, I mean, Kira clearly hits on it later, and, she, you know, is later proven right by her actions in the third. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kai, because the, the fact of the matter is, she compares Cisco taking the object to what the Cardassians did, and she knows that that's... There's a difference between an occupying force taking a bunch of your shit without you asking Mm -hmm. and the acting spiritual leader of your people taking it. So it was more of a power move. She was upset by by that. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's totally her reasoning. But, you know, on paper, it sounds like she's making a good point. (laughs) But that's the thing. That's why that's why it's all all the language is couched in two different two different meanings. Power moves that she makes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things that every time they deal with this, and I, I know I said this the last time when he, earlier this season, when he used the wormhole aliens to create a big fucking miracle that saved the entire goddamn Federation, uh-huh. is that why do they feel the need to just kind of keep treating it like it's a questionable thing for a lot of people? Just, they do. Even if you're Bashir or... Or Dax, I mean, you do realize that he is communicating with some fuckers. I'm not talking about the end where it was where he's like, let my son die, fuck it. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the other stuff. Right. Where, you know, why they're questioning him the whole way and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just kind of like, wouldn't he be, like, wouldn't it be more interesting and more real feeling if he did have some, maybe even unwanted, huge political importance that would be a factor in this pressure on Kai Wen, you know? I don't know. It just seems like I mean, he, everything... They want to have all of his religious stuff be couched in the the question of, is he losing his mind or is it fake? Or, like, what I happens th- when his 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 uh, loyalty is called... It's about loyalty. Like, who's he loyal... Who's, <laughs> whose interest will he serve? Right, right. The Federation or Bajor? Yeah, yeah. When they're at odds. Exactly. That, mm-hmm. I didn't think it... I don't. I mean, I didn't agree with you how big an issue it was before, but I like that Dax and Cisco scene where she's like, "You used to call them just wormhole aliens. We know that they're a thing that that, that how they exist in time, and that we can get valuable intel from them. But now you're calling them prophets. If you don't mind, I'll just keep calling them wormhole aliens because I'm a scientist. And mm. and this episode. He did seem to get more into the faith when they have, like, we can solve this with science. And he's like, no, I have faith that the prophets are going to do it the right way. And well, it was, that, it was that they couldn't solve it. They could only avert it. And he wasn't wanting the aversion, Well, and which is ultimately what happened. Yeah, but they could avert it, which would save his son's life. And at the end, he's willing to let right. He's pulling in Isaac and Abraham. Oh, most definitely, but it wouldn't fulfill the prophecy, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, even if, I mean, they've, because they're... They're trying to like have their cake and eat it too. They've established a dare I say a cosmology where these guys make scientific sense. I yeah. They live in a fourth dimension. Yada yada yada. Go see other podcasts we do to have to expand on this further. But that they live in this sort of realm. Right. So right. they should be able to. Their prophecies can be somehow true, or you can sort of you are reading the future. Right. In a lot of ways. So I don't... I don't see that... There, nobody disagrees with that anymore, though. It seems like everything was like, what the fuck are you doing? Why... It, it seems like they always want to couch his faith in everybody else's doubt about him. Well, or, they... S- or concern or... Yeah, doubt. They have... They, it's it's a, it's always used as a wedge of doubt amongst I guess, the people around him. I guess that's the point, him. is that everybody's uneasiness is never exact. It's always very vague. Right. Yes. Well, like, nobody this, comes out and says exactly why. Well, except it, for Jake, who says, I don't want anything to ha- bad happen to you. Right. Which, I can understand that. He, his motivations and uneasiness about his dad being the emissary make sense. Oh, totally, mm-hmm. yeah. Everybody else, him and Han, I wish they would come out and have it specifically... But this episode, for me, did enough reason why they would be a little more hemming and hawing because the prophecy that the the only answer that Cisco has is that 
it could go either way this time. This is the reckoning. It's where a tipping point. The, the prophecies don't say anything about certainty to the prophets coming out on top. Yes. It could go either way where they lose everything. Like the pro race could win. The prophets don't have an answer for that. So when they're coming in with like science and saying, look, man, I don't, I don't like the odds but, here. Okay, even if you're not even talking about from a Starfleet angle, why isn't there more of a clarion call amongst the Bajorans themselves? There's got to be a lot of people that, I mean... The Bajorans are pretty happy to see it happen, though. Cisco, okay, okay, but what I'm saying is that it seems like Cisco performed a goddamn miracle and saved everything. And it seems like he got no more suction from the people from doing that. And that seems weird to me. He's, oh, you mean no more suction from Starfleet as a, as a thing. or no or for, from Starfleet or Bajorans because he gets overruled by Shakar too. It just seems like he's got like he did this thing and it came with no political power or or, I, or just right. and he's it's got plenty of political power though. Well, I, and I think that that's an that's a problem of the serials that, like when we talk about the. Possibly, yeah. This is them wanting both ways with their serialization. Right. Kira has the whole conversations with him, like where she's expounding on why Kai Ratchet is jealous because he does have so much political power that she has to, Kai Wen has to share with him. Not enough that Kai Wen couldn't come at him at the beginning of the episode. But she does come at him and he's like, well. That's my point. Because it's something she didn't like because shit's going down on Bajor. But my point is, jealous. But I get, I get the motivation. I'm saying she was winning. But, I mean, she was coming after him and winning with political power. Because and he's not. A, it doesn't make him king just because he's the emissary. Why he's, the fuck not? What I, we would because he's Starfleet. I, I guess know. James's point is that like when you could command these gods that everybody worships to save everybody's asses, you should not be able to have like uh, the president of your planet team up with your pope to like take an artifact away. Should you should have more clout than that? Yeah, I think he. I. I mean, look, man, I don't want to argue it, but I think he's got plenty of clout. He, that's why he takes it, you know, and then they give reasons for politically why it bothers him. Uh, the whole thing was about how taking the fig put him in a shit a shit heap of trouble with the Bajorans. Shakar is against him. All of that stuff. But it's also, it's also because there's, like, earthquakes and weird shit happening and that she's using her political power to say it's because you took it away. It's not just... I don't know. Like he seems that's that's not power. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that he's it's her capitalizing on the fear to gain more power to push back against whatever power he has as the emissary. To me, he seems un unrealistically weak politically political wise. I mean, maybe, but I don't think he wants political power, and I don't think Starfleet wants him to have it. So, I mean, the mitigating factors seem mitigating well enough for me in this episode. But I mean, if they, I guess they, they don't for you. That's fine. But I just want to point out that they can be. But I think that I think what James brings up is a legitimate problem with the types of storytelling that they're doing. It's more of a serialization versus standalone story problem that you can only carry so much over without having to remind mm-hmm. everybody about where you've been. That's true. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It, I mean, I I, I just didn't so they kind of had to choose their spots with with this, and they chose some of the emotional baggage required, you know, yeah. from Jake and stuff. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, that's fine. I just you know when you watch them in this order, and it does sort of, it, I mean, this kind of does start a ramp up between the pot, you know, power rates right, right. and the in Cisco. Oh, I totally agree with you that it's a little bit weird that you can call upon these space gods to do what you want mm-hmm. to save everybody's asses, and then. <laughs> then squabble over a stone tablet is yeah a stone tablet that even the person that was there knows that it was essentially a note written to him right and well and that he, you know, he could get so easily like triangulated against to get you know, yes. <laughs> yeah that was but well, like and i that was the, the thing is that like he couldn't call shakar up and like hey look i'm shakar's you know, clearly doing this because odo's raw dog and kira now <laughs> yeah sure sure yeah. picking it out on cisco i mean Y'all are right that they could have made it a bigger deal. I mean, some some of these things could be fixed with just one or two lines. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't see that they needed fix it. Like her arguing for why they why she didn't like him taking it. And, and I don't her... blame you for not seeing that. I think the reason why mm-hmm. you don't see that is because when you're watching it, it could cut both ways. You know, like when you're watching it, mm-hmm. right. In a row, it makes dramatic sense for him to be under this constant pressure. Right. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. So I get that. And it, it makes political sense for me, too. It doesn't for me. But that's fine. Because he's not trying to be in politics. And, you know. He is I'm, kind of yeah. aloof about how he goes about his emissary business. He kind of just, like, follows his nose. But it's not about <laughs> what he wants. But the turmoil on Bajor, the fact that it lines up with him taking this thing, she's the political leader talking to the people to rouse up people's fear that it's because he took it away, seems like a good enough reason for to get the populace and therefore the president Shakar to to sign off on her thing. if there was a single person on earth if there was a single person on earth that saved us from an entire alien fleet coming to annihilate us do you think there's people forget real fast as when there's another disaster there there's flooding yeah see that that sounds convenient i mean if they at least said that they could if they no but if they said that even if they said that in the like the people of bejor are already forgotten the cult of the emissary or if there was like, some sort what, of what has the emissary done for me like sure sure maybe they if they put in a yeah you're right maybe you're right if maybe. they even had like one line at least it would have helped i guess it, yeah but the Rakantha province is flooding the kindra valley has earthquakes and shit's going weird what i was thinking more of is even like you remember in dark knight returns those when the mutants switched their allegiance unbeknownst to batman to batman yeah and they became like this force like it seems like there would be issues like that there would be political movements that would rise up probably cults and orders that arose up from the emissary it just seems like there would be, I mean, that's why the Jews wanted Jesus murdered, is because he was offsetting the re- religious order, and it seems that whoa, Cisco whoa, would be doing easy, a lot of that. And we, let's not. I mean, I agree these are things that the they Jew, That's why the Pharisees, let's change this up. That's why Pharisees killed are you the blaming? Jew. Are you blaming the Jews for the murder of my Messiah, James? <laughs> whoa, I'm not blaming that. Whoa. I'm just saying that there's there's a book. that. Um, <laughs> but that's why that, it's a good point. I didn't mean, that was a little saucy. Um, but that's all right, why. All right, Mel Gibson, jeez, man. The Pharisees killed him. <laughs> But nonetheless, uh, that when you don't think about a work, and when you don't think, when you don't take it that seriously, then you can be pretty <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess. They could have gone that way, but yeah, it, it's just it, one of those things that since the last time, like I was shocked that I'm constantly shocked <laughs> that they keep getting mileage out of these miracles, these increasing things and these miracles that he does in front of people that even have a scientific explanation, so you don't have to abandon. Like, scientific you know, principles. Does, yeah. yeah, you don't have to abandon scientific principles. But it does seem that, you know, yeah. th- there's a super group of super powerful aliens that really like Cisco. So it seems like when Cisco's like, trust me on this, maybe people would, you know, go, okay, let's. It seems like he would have, they would have a harder time subvert getting a, over a lot of. People do, though, and then some people in power don't, and there's a clash there. I mean, it goes back to sometimes I just don't see the issues in verisimilitude that y'all think. I think that that, that that could be fleshed out just a, a tad more. That's all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's something that it, writing fixes all of this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. just, all right, well, we should probably move on to the next. Yeah, we should move on. It's, it's, it seems rather uh, okay. minor. I mean, are, 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 are we ranking each other's arguments now? <laughs> no, forget it. Yeah, you're, I'm just I'm, okay. I'm like I see where your concern comes from, and I I appreciate it. I just fuck you, James. Fuck you. I'll bring better. <laughs> I'll bring bit more. I'll bring more heat with me. <laughs> uh, okay, because yeah, Dax is like there's two possibilities for this ideogram. One, everyone's gonna suffer horribly, or two, uh, they should eat fruit. Because, you know, you go back to that Shangri-La episode, Dax knows all about eating fruit, if you know what I mean. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That's a, that's a, that's a deep cut, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, Odo watches Kira eat fruit. In the yeah, he likes to watch her eat. Yeah, well, They're just weird. Just the fucking... <laughs> the, the, like, it's a chemistry vacuum between those two. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. I, I, <sighs> okay. Yeah. That, that, they're chemistry yeah <laughs> that's yeah uh we talked about the jake scene where he's like look i didn't ask to be the emissary but i am except when i'm your dad you know uh, whatever then cisco can't sleep and he gets gets up in the middle of the night maybe he's been taking some ambient or 
Lunesta or something, and he's just so mad at that statue sculpture that he breaks it in the middle of the night, and the little paw race fly out of it, I guess. And then the next morning, Dax is like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, um, well, I was being a big baby last night, <laughs> and I just broke it. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, and then there's like a station-wide power drain. It's like, well, I guess I was meant to break it. <laughs> After he agreed that he would send it back the next morning with because of uh, Shakar and Kai Ratchet teamed up on him, she's like, what the fuck, Cisco? Like, the Bajorans are paying the price for your sacrilege. There's more earthquakes and shit going on. And that's when there's a power drain, and then it goes full... Uh, Ghostbusters. Those are the Garzarians. <laughs> and this is where it's like the whole... You're just like, oh, are they, are they, are they, are they scrapped in this episode? Like, it's like, I don't know. That, I mean, there's two sort of dramatic points that work. The J, it, Being Jake is a nice reveal. Mm-hmm. And a pretty late edit addition to the screenplay. Like, it wasn't... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that worked fine, because that put at, that up the stakes with Cisco's faith to an intentionally Abrahamian level, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very Isaac and Abraham at the end. Yeah, and then everything with Kai Ratchet, I thought, was, was, was good, was interesting. Yeah. Like, when she first gets possessed is and is in the doorway getting electrocuted, part of me is like, wait, is she... I remember this episode differently because I forgot all about this episode. It's like, oh, is she... Pos-? I thought at first that she was going to be possessed by a paw wraith instead of a prophet because mm-hmm. she seems like very Gozar evil. And then they're like, no, it's just she's a prophet. And then there's going to be Kostamojin, the evil, basically Satan, from Shabran's fifth prophecy, the rebirth... That Kai Ratchet read, there'll be a thousand years of peace if the evil one is destroyed, which is Kahusta Mojin. So is there only, like, I don't know, like, is there thousands of Pa Wraiths or, like, one? Or, I don't really, like, I guess they'll explain it later because I know there's, we're not done with Pa Wraiths. Wraith Woods here, huh? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I, but I was trying to think, like, right. there was one stuck in the sculpture, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And do they, like, do they challenge each other? Like, death by, you know, what, a, a trial by combat or whatever? Yeah. I, and then they'll just agree to go away, like the Pa Wraith? Because it's not like you defeat the Pa Wraith and then all the Pa Wraiths are done. It's just that they'll agree to leave or Well, I think or something. Like they haven't figured out, I guess. Yeah. She would the the prophets will end up destroying Kostamojin, that paw wraith, and then they'll have a thousand years of good luck or whatever. But and then Julian and Dax are like, We have the technology, we could kill it. And Cisco's like, I'm not gonna kill it. It's like, Oh fine, we don't have to kill it. But if we fill it up with chronoton energy, eventually we can just shoo it out of the birdcage or whatever you know like it's we've got a bat in the house and if we flap it around we can make it go away with chronoton energy but cisco is still like nope i'm not doing it because aside from just being the federation he makes a choice to side with bajor again because in this instance he doesn't know what's going to happen he just has faith that the prophets are going to do the right thing that they won't kill his son except they probably would have then they do the care bear stare and his faith wavers Kai Ratchet is, has brought all these uh, little Bajoran cultists up there to Terra Dark Emba Insulem Ran Emba Terra Dark Emba Deram Tamin and I won't say that anymore and then Ben Sisko's like get the fuck out and then he makes everybody leave Kai Ratchet takes a little detour goes left when she's supposed to go right after very heavy handedly Dax is like I'm going to save some children now, which is a little little on the nose for me, because there's just a group of four toddlers stuck in the hallway that she's got to save. Like, All right, fine. But then Cisco is going to let his son die, and Kai Ratchet, because she can't take that Cisco's faith was stronger than hers, she uses go. the Carnaton thing, chases off the Parath, and saves Jake's life. It is nice to know that in Kai school they teach you how to operate a Cardassian sure. space station to flood chronoton particles. Well, you don't you don't survive <laughs> sixty years of occupation without learning a little bit about Cardassian tech, right? That's true, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's convenient though. You're right. <laughs> yeah, and then Jake's gonna re- recovering, and Jake is like, when that thing was inside of me, I could feel all all its hatred. It's okay, Dad. Even if I had to die, it would have been the right move. But 
he didn't. And then Kai Ratchet's like, all right, well, uh, I can't believe that you're the one taking me off station here, Kieran, and not, you know, the emissary after I saved his fucking son's life. And Kira's like, listen up, bitch. You didn't do that for the right reasons, and you know it. She's like, oh, I never. You couldn't stand that a human and infidel had a stronger faith than you. And she's confusing her faith with ambition, and the evil still exists. And even the prophets don't know what it means because you fucked up the prophecy. So in a way, they're trying to set up, they'll probably go back on it later, because the prophets even tell Cisco like, all right, you're done being the emissary now. Your job's done. This is the reckoning. This is what it all was for. Except this episode's not really sold well enough to really make us believe that. Because mm-hmm. the Kira Gozar tells Cisco he's not the emissary anymore. Wait, after it, after they flooded it or after the... Well, I guess since they... I mean, I think that they were like, the big fight was going to happen and then they wouldn't need the emissary right, right, anymore. Right. But the big fight didn't happen. So I guess you're right. He is still the emissary. Yeah. And nobody knows what's happening now, because I guess this was a uh, pivot point mystery or something. Yeah, you can't. It turns out that you can only only, only parts of the fourth dimension are spatial. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like what I learned from Dune. There's there's little points that everything hinges on where you could make changes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Learned that from Dune. I learned the opposite from uh, Jerusalem. Maybe I don't know. That's a whole other whole other podcast. Plural, but yeah, that's the episode. Where do you guys put this on your rewatch meter? I'm gonna start. I'm gonna put it at a five, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because if you want to know how what motivates Kai Kai Win, you gotta watch this. It's just basically a Kai Win story, or like the best parts of it are. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. she's good in this. I I like watching her as a player, and. It's important for the rest of the like the conclusion of the series, so I'll put it at a five. Yeah, I was gonna put it at a six. It's a little mixed bag, like I think we all agree. But if I'm trying to watch like a bait, if I yeah, it's important to the arc of the series, I, I guess. It reintroduces Paw Race. That's a thing. Well, it sets up the. I mean, it does set up the end game for the yes. Yeah, yeah, spoilers yeah. for the entire show. True. So yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, James, where are you gonna put this thing at for your rewatch? Oh. Fuck, I guess. Oh fuck, I think oh fuck is where you usually put uh something below uh, a three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, the oh fuck. No, I I was I was thinking between a three and a four. All let's right. let's be generous and go four. I'll put you down for a four. All right. Yeah. Now, do you guys want to guess what the good people of IMDb think of this episode? Six point nine. Is it? That's probably high. Yeah, I was debating on whether it's in the sevens or not. Um, they don't like Bajor episodes on the reg. Yeah, and I think that the idea of Cisco willing to let his son die is kind of like I think that would rub. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that, but I think that would rub people the wrong way. So I would go six point seven. I hate to do that, but no, it's fine. Wade, what'd you put? I told you six point nine. I think that's what I said. Seven point two. Oh. Right. Which means people like this less than my way, which was a 7.4. Huh. And before we get to the the end credits and our plugs, I do have to clarify one thing, uh, like a correction. Um, according to Wikipedia, the Kim Cattrall rumor. This rumor has persisted on Wikipedia for a long time. I was at a convention today where a hundred, few hundred people witnessed Leonard Nimoy debunking this story about Cottrell posing nude with Vulcaneers on the bridge to be completely false. He expressed shock at the insinuations that it happened, that he had a negative reaction. <laughs> this was quite funny, he implied. He would have enjoyed the pictures. He often does nude photography. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, because right. yeah, he, he did all those sapphic lady photos. Yes, and yes. he explained that he had no memory of such an event and that he would he'd never even heard of this rumor before. I would like to post this in the main article, but that would constitute a reliable source. And this was posted on April 25th, 2010. Huh. So, that does make sense. Yeah. All right. Leonard Nimoy is not afraid of uh, some nude ladies. So, yes. That's a famous That's a famous uh, Star Trek story rumor that I have thought for years was true. I but too. Until today, I just recently read that Leonard Nimoy himself debunked it at a convention so that's lame though and now and now like the world is a little less brighter it because is of it. Mine, yeah oh so it, those yeah. pictures yeah. don't exist anywhere so. oh hey, let's we can fix it just by making it shatner right <laughs> shatner would have right. had a totally different response though wouldn't he yeah yeah yeah, yeah so his, that's what, his response would have been why am i not the one yeah, yeah, with the right. session getting <laughs> yeah 
Where, where DeForest Kelly had a heart attack. <laughs> it, it almost kills me, yeah. He walked in and he, oh, yeah. like he was like Fred Sanford. <laughs> Scotty walked in, hit, bumped his head on a bulkhead and just was out cold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, I should, uh, all right, Wade, what do you got plug-wise for us? Yeah, and I will say just like the Isaac thing, Cisco's like, no, no, they wouldn't kill my son. They wouldn't kill my son. And then at the end, it's like, no, they were totally going to kill your son, dude. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I guess so. Anyways. Yeah, I don't, I I mean. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I mean, I, I can get, like, at that point, like, if the cast was like, seriously, what the, you're going to fucking, I, I could see that point. It was just every part in between, but it was just, that would have been a nice, like, what really? Because we were with you up until this point. <laughs> right. We were trusting you, but like you're gonna fucking let your son die, and then I guess you know Kira was too. Right. So that was something for Odo to feel. That's why Odo's a good boyfriend because he knew that she would would have wanted that that way, and she gives him a smooch because of it. I guess. All right, uh, plugs. <laughs> yeah, if, if we missed anything, give us a call at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. And um, check out all the other Kickers of Elves podcast, um, and check us out on Patreon for a bunch of uh, bonus content and whatnot at patreon.com slash kickersofelves. And do everything that every podcast wants you to do, except don't do it for every podcast. Do it for us, if you want. Please? No, if, uh, I'm not going to beg. Do what you want to do. Yeah. All right. Next week, we have Child Soldiers. So that's oh, fun for everybody. Yes. <laughs> uh, gird your loins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's how you get children in the first place. You forget to gird them. That's right. Yes. Uh, sorry. Well, that's it for another week of the Rules of Acquisition. We hope you join us next week as we go through another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade James and myself, three, two, beam out. Freedom.